so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. I'm Tim Alders. Hope you're having a fantastic year. We're not. America's in a crisis. We have a country that was built on the premise of a constitutional republic. Why? Constitutional republics were thought by the founding fathers to maintain and control what our government does. In that way, it would maintain our freedom, our liberty. Yet today, we're a constitutional republic by name only. We have very few freedoms left because our politicians have violated their constitutional authority, their oath to office, and they really don't care what we think, and we haven't been good stewards of the Constitution. I hate to say it, but we haven't. So we are facing many issues. And unfortunately, there's a reason why President Biden's approval ratings are in the toilet. It's just straight. It's simple. He's not a good president. He isn't capable of addressing top concerns for America. He either has massive dementia or he is just inept. So you can take your pick. The majority of Americans understand that he has made a mess, a mess out of America's economy, a mess out of America's being a self-sustaining nation in food, manufacturing, and energy. He's made a mess of our foreign policy. He made a mess in the Ukraine. He made a mess in Afghanistan. Yet crickets come from our Congress. Why? Well, our Congress is too busy being stockbrokers and increasing their own wealth and not paying attention or just don't care. So here we have it, America. We have open borders. We have people coming through. We have a president that is older, and many will make the excuse he needs to rest. That's why he's absent so often. He makes massive blunders like the one this week where he blundered that you know, we're training troops in Poland, and the, those troops were going to see uh, the Ukraine very soon. This man releases more important details about our national security. And if anybody in this world deserved to be impeached, 
it's this man. But the Democrats have made impeachment such a joke. And we have a nation now in crisis. 2022, the elections are coming up. We have Congress people already expecting to go back to Washington, D.C. Congress people who really have very little interest in your liberty, your freedom, in America's greatness, in America's exceptionalism. But is America that exceptional country anymore? This is a question that that we have to look at because, you know, we always talked about it. We always talked about um, America being in this crisis that we're in. We have a very, very gloomy future. We have people killing babies. We have poverty. We have open borders. We have a tanking economy. We have housing prices that have gone so far up that we can't even afford houses for our children and our grandchildren. Yet we're on the verge of World War III because we have a president that doesn't understand how to enact any kind of foreign policy. We have a Congress that refuses to put in even a vote of no confidence against the president and the vice president. So America, we are in a bad place. And I don't know what to tell you, folks. I am uh, really concerned with the direction we're headed. I am not happy with uh, what we are doing to our children, our grandchildren, and any other generation coming forward. But it all lies on us. Many of us will say, well, the politicians did a horrible job. Correct, they did. Many people will blame Washington, their state, their local government. They all deserve blame. But ultimately, the blame lies with us. Because in our constitutional republic, the only people able to remove government from what they do, the only people that have the power to vote out politicians is us. And we are still allowing people to do awful, awful things. Now, we're facing all these crises, and Biden just signed, and our government just approved um, an omnibus bill, massive omnibus bill. And now they're trying to propose a 2023 budget. A 2023 budget that is $5.8 trillion. And this is insane. Representative Jason Smith of Missouri told the Office of Management and Budget Director uh, Shalanda Young... Quote, when you testified last year on illegitimate President Biden's fiscal year 2022 budget, alarm bells were already going off about the impact that the president's agenda would have on the economy, what it would have on inflation and the security of our southern border. At that time, the crisis created by President Biden and the House and Senate Democrats' agenda were already piling up. 
The list has only grown since, including an energy crisis with folks paying over $4 a gallon at the pump. In fact, since Biden has become president and took office, gas prices went up 79%. That's tough on us. That's tough on the normal people. That's tough on the people from Utah and my state in District 3. It's tough on every American. We have a crime crisis and an education crisis in the country. So now we have a president putting forth a 23 budget, a proposal that deliberately makes every crisis American families are facing because of this president and the one-party Democrat rule in Congress much worse. We are in trouble because of everything that's going on. He referenced Biden's observation on Monday that budgets are statements of values. He values an economy where everything from the clothes you put on your back, food you put on your table, to the gas you put in your car is more expensive. That's just the facts. Smith said it brilliantly. The inflation rate, what they say, is 7.9% in 2021, the highest since 1982. Most of the people that are voting age in this country, many of them weren't even born in 1982. Our president wants open borders. He wants us to be dependent on our energy from other nations. He values debt. Um, The American people, are we going to buy this budget? Because, folks, your budget isn't as good at home. Are you able to have an increase this year? Just paying interest on our national debt is going to cost us $1.1 trillion. Biden's proposed tax increase, which includes taking the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28% and a 20% wealth tax on those with assets of $100 million or more, isn't going to work. Biden has been very clear. He will not subscribe to trickle-down economics. And he will not invest in the middle class. Democrats have hated trickle-down economics. They describe the tax policies instituted under uh, former presidents Reagan and Trump as poor. He also conceded that in spite of Biden's promise that nobody making less than 400000 a year will pay a penny more in federal taxes. His budget calls for tax rate reductions enacted under Trump to expire in 2025. So by the expiration of the Tax Cups, Cuts and Jobs Act, that is going to raise taxes on every American, every average day American by 2000 a year. And those people who make less than 100000 a year. So, in fact, this budget is going to destroy what's left of the middle class in America. It also increases taxes on gasoline and fossil fuels by $45 billion over the next 10 years. We already pay too much at the pump. When Richard Stern from the Heritage Foundation came out, he said in a statement, Quote, Biden's tax plan would fall squarely on the backs of the hardest working American families. 
Make no mistake, these tax hikes would directly result in lower wages, higher consumer prices, and reduced job opportunities for generations to come. A very well-thought-out, well-educated comment on this tax plan that our president is proposing. On Monday, even the Wall Street Journal highlighted that Trump's tax cuts have worked as advertised. Biden himself admitted as much when introducing his budget the same day, saying the gross domestic product grew 5.7% in 2021, the highest since Reagan was president in the early 1980s. So here we have it. We have a nation in crisis. We have a country in crisis. We have an inept president in office. And we look at what the federal treasury took in, a record $4 trillion in fiscal 2021, which included a 21-year high in corporate income tax. In the first five months of fiscal 2022 through February, federal receipts climbed a remarkable 26% from the year earlier. That's $371 billion more to $1.8 trillion in five months. Individual income taxes rose $271 billion, or 38%. Corporate income taxes rose 31%. So this is published by the Congressional Budget Office. Please go there if you don't believe these numbers. The Treasury is on tack to take in a $4.5 trillion, but we're looking to spend close to $6 trillion. How many of you out there listening to this show can spend more than you make? How many of you out there listening to this broadcast have made increases in your payroll that would substantiate and make payback everything you're paying more for? The current tax system is throwing off revenue to spend if the politicians would show a moderation of restraint. Yet, the Biden administration wants an extra $2.5 trillion in tax increases over 10 years. The Democrats' goal is to destroy Main Street USA, to destroy America. Yet, what are we doing about it? What are your politicians doing about it? I'm just curious if you are okay with what is going on in the nation because, folks, It's happening. It's happening whether you're paying attention or not. It's going to affect your pocketbooks more than ever, and it already has. What is it going to take to wake more people up? This is the question. Would-be homebuyers are going to be forced to rent. Prices of housing uh, housing are getting way too high. Uh, Prices of apartments are, are growing even higher. We have issues going on in our country that nobody is addressing. Nobody in Washington, nobody on the state level, uh, nobody is looking at this. So we have a major crisis to look at. What else is going on? In the Sudan, we have political tensions with a regional drought and conflict. So we have to watch it there. They have a population of 44.9 million people. They have 14.3 million in need, 
And they have 3 million people already displaced. The military removed civilian leaders in October of 2021, and the resulting political uncertainty could destabilize peace efforts. We have humanitarian risks. We have peacemaking efforts in Defer, South Kordofan, and Blue Nile. We have inflation across the world skyrocketing. And we have massive weather changes. Uh, The IRC relaunched its program in Sudan in 2019, which currently includes water and sanitation services. But they are in trouble. We still have issues in Syria. Syria's economic crisis compounds a decade of war. 21.7 million people, 14 million people uh, in need, and 6.8 million displaced. It is the worst economic crisis since the Syrian war began with record levels of food insecurity and rapid inflation. Um, We have many issues. Somalia is in trouble. 16.4 million, 7.7 million in need, 2.9 million displaced. It's on the watch list for nine consecutive years but have moved into the top 10 because of the political tensions there and renewed violence. Uh, They have attacks by the Al-Shahab, sometimes targeted at humanitarians, doctors, other people helping, administrative, bureaucrats. Um, We have so many things happening in this nation, yet we have a president that is inept. Um, We have Miramar, Violent deadlock leaves millions in need, 54.8 million, 14.4 million in need, 5.5 million um, displaced. Uh, we have the Democratic Republic of Con- uh, Congo. Their disease is in trouble, 92.4 million in the Congo, 27 million in need, 5.6 displaced. It is volatile and governments looking to collapse. South Sudan, um, regional tensions are taking a rise there. 11.4 million population, 8.4 in need, 165, 170th out of countries for women equality. Nigeria, growing insecurity across the country. 211 million people, 8.3 million in need, and it is awful what's going on there. Yemen. We have Yemen with issues going on. We have Ethiopia. Um, We have Afghanistan, the crisis after the conflict. 41.7 million population, 24.4 million in need. And the rank of women's equality is 170th. It is the worst in the world. So once we backed out and tell a advised that we were backing out, the Taliban took control of Afghanistan. International donors immediately suspended non-humanitarian funding and froze billions in assets. Any attempt by Islamic State uh, to take advantage of the shift in power, um, there's violence, civilian harm, and they have a drought, and they still are in Issues with COVID. We have 
a nation in need, a country in need. And do you feel that the current president we have today is able to handle any of these crises? Because I'll tell you people, nobody else in America feels the same way. How did we get here? Well, unfortunately, we're responsible. We have allowed our politicians to operate with no recourse from us on violations of the Constitution. We have allowed foreign countries to come in here and buy up our assets, our energy, our farmlands. We're in trouble, folks. America is in trouble. And what are we doing about it? Well, I hope 2022 brings in a whole new group of congressional people because the old people weren't doing it. They're not cutting the mustard. We have to ask ourselves, why is all this happening? On previous shows, I've given you the Ukrainian timeline. I've told you how America has failed in every way possible, every nation that it's allies with. We are no longer the country that people looks to um, to follow. We are definitely in trouble. Yet, here we are. Here we are looking to do it one more time over and over. We're just going to... Um, Take what Congress gives us. Many of the incumbents will win again. And we will just continue to complain around our water coolers at work. We will continue to complain on our homes, in our couches, to our friends. But it all falls back on us. When is it America is going to wake up, folks. I keep asking these questions because it's important that somebody asks them. I want you to think. I want you to research what's going on around the world and why it's going on. America is not feared. And unfortunately, fear prevented a lot of bullies, a lot of enemies across the world from taking action. Now, they're not afraid. They're not afraid of the Democrats in power. They're not afraid of our inept president or dementia-ridden president or whatever you want to say. He is not a good president, but I never thought he was good in Congress. 47 years of poor leadership. Yet, many Americans voted against someone instead of for something better. Folks, it's on you. It's not on me. It's not on the people who supported former President Trump. It's on you. You brought this about, and we're unhappy with it. But how unhappy are we? Are we unhappy enough that we will call for change? Or are we unhappy enough that we will demand change? Are we unhappy enough that we will bring change by electing new congressional people and hold them accountable? Because nobody's accountable right now in Washington, and I'll go over that on the, on the flip side. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network. We are here because these issues are going on, and somebody needs to talk about it because mainstream media won't. We are here for you. We are here 
to support you, but you have to support us. You have to share these shows. You have to talk about these issues. You have to get people off mainstream media and listening to this type of stuff. Folks, we are here not making money. We're not here because we're greedy. We're here because we care about America. And we have to stand up for our nation in order for us to protect it for our children and our grandchildren. And I'll see you on the flip side. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both in the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best, freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. We talked earlier about our inept president. We talked about all the issues we're facing in America that are crises. And I mentioned that our Congress was just as bad because they're not doing anything about it. Why? Well, our Congress is too busy making money on trading stocks illegally. Well, not illegally because they've made it legal for themselves. Yet, this is the interesting thing. Back in February this year, H.R. 675 was presented. H.R. 675 was to stop people from being able to profit off of COVID. Corporations, you know, they don't, they don't want them profiting. They don't want somebody doing it. So they 
prohibited price gouging in connection with the public health. Um, they prohibited being able to sell stocks if you knew you were going to get government contracts. They did all these different things. And most every member of Congress supported this because, you know, price gouging is bad and, and the people in their state, in their state, their districts were suffering. But this is a funny thing. Washington Post and, and the government puts out once financial financials are posted for politicians, how much money they make, where their money was, how much stocks did they buy. And we have American-made Javelin and Stinger missiles that are headed to the Ukraine, right? At least 19 members of Congress um, invested in the defense contractors behind them. Now, this should be illegal. They don't have the money. They use options to purchase it. Um, they standed to personally profit, and they did, on Russia's war on Ukraine. Maybe that's why Congress didn't step up and help try to prevent the war on Ukraine. Um, Raytheon Technologies, Lockheed Martin, which manufacture the weapons, and the Western Allies are sending Ukraine to fight Russian invaders. Uh, the stock holdings by members of commerce came as the U.S. is preparing to sell billions of dollars in defense aid to Ukraine. Both company stock, especially that of Lockheed Martin, rose dramatically. Among the weapons we send, as I said, the Javelin, the Stinger, fire and forget. You just push a button and it goes. The joint Raytheon-Lockheed Martin-made Javelin missile is touted as the world's premier shoulder-fired anti-armor system capable of destroying battle tanks. Raytheon Stinger missiles are designed to shoot down helicopters and other low-flying aircraft. Raytheon advertises the Stinger as rapidly deployed by ground troops and credited with more than 270 fixed and rotary wing intercepts. So among these, who bought it, right? Who bought this? They, they, they just have to put a range. Among those who bought stocks, well, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who many conservatives loves of Georgia, bought Lockheed Martin shares on February 22nd. Two days after her purchase, Greene wrote in a Twitter thread, war is big business to our leaders. Green said her investment advisor made the purchase and noted it was only one among several other, but they were individual purchases. Add to this list of why members of Congress should never be allowed to trade stocks. They make too much money. They profit widely. Now, you have to put in a periodic um, transaction report to government. You have to file it. You have to show... Uh, what you're purchasing. Almost every trade on this list happened in January, close to when the Wall Street Journal reported that the United States permitted Estonia, uh, Lithuania to dispatch Javelin and Stinger missiles to Ukraine. So who are these members? More than a dozen members of Congress or their families hold investments at the time President Biden approved a $350 million Military aid package. We had Senator John Hickenlooper, a Democrat out of Colorado, held between 100000 and 250000 in Raytheon shares. 
That's off his most recent disclosure. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, another Democrat of Rhode Island, held 15000 to 50000 in Lockheed Martin. He also held between 50000 and 100000 in stock in United Tele- Technologies, which was acquired by Raytheon. Thomas Daffron, a former longtime Hill chief of staff and husband of Re- Republican Senator Susan Collins, held 15000 to 50000 in Utah Technologies which was also acquired by Raytheon. Well, like I said before, was acquired by Raytheon. Annie Clark Collins, spokeswoman, said he first acquired the technology at least as far back as 2014, um, before the Raytheon acquisition. It's interesting, the excuses. Abigail Perlman Blunt, a lobbyist for Kraft Heinz, who is also the wife of retiring Republican uh, Republican Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri held between 100000 and 250 in Lockheed Martin. Senator Shelley Moore Capito, a Republican of West Virginia, held between 1000 and 15000 in Lockheed Martin. Her annual disclosures indicate her husband, Charlie, also worked in finance held between 1000 and 15000 in United Technologies, now acquired by Raytheon. Senator Gary Peters, the Democrat from Michigan, held between 1,000 and 15,000 in Raytheon stocks. He's the chair of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, as well as the Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. Martha, Martha Stacy, the wife of Democratic Senator Tom Carper of Delaware, held between 1,000 and 15 in Raytheon, 1,000 and 15 in Lockheed Martin. He serves on the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. His spokeswoman, Rachel, said a couple has always been careful to ensure that their financial investments are handled separately. So she buys husband awards contracts. John Axney, the husband of Democratic Rep. Cindy Axney of Iowa, who operates a digital design firm sold between 1000 and 15000 in Lockheed Martin twice in February, but still appears to hold stock in the company. Representative Kevin Hearn, a Republican from Oklahoma who built his wealth through McDonald's franchises, traded both Raytheon and Lockheed Martin stock through 2021. He purchased new shares in both in December Representative for Hearn, whose past Stock Act violation didn't reply to Insider's most recent inquiry, but previously said a financial advisor manages the trades. Representative Fred Upton, a Republican from Michigan. Representative Steve Cohen, a Democrat of Tennessee. Representative John Curtis. This one really irks me because he's my congressperson from my district. He purchased Raytheon shares in June of 2021. He also held Lockheed Martin, but he hasn't. Uh, disclosures show that he sold that in November, and his offices has refused comment. Representative David Price, Democrat from North Carolina. Representative Dwight Evans, Democrat from Pennsylvania. Margaret Kirkpatrick, who is married to Democrat Representative Earl Blothmeyer of Oregon. 
Additional members of Congress appear to have shed their shares in recent months. Um, Representative Rob Whitman of Virginia, the top Republican on the Armed Services Committee, Sea Power and Projection Forces Subcommittee. He sold his shares in Lockheed Martin in January of this year. So a lot of these are Democrats. A lot of these are Republicans. And a lot of these people should probably be in jail for what they did. Yet, what are we doing about it? Are you asking your congressperson why they did it? Do you have inside knowledge on what contracts corporations are going to get? I I sure don't. I don't think you do either. But, folks, it's out there. We're losing this nation. Uh, but yet our politicians are getting super wealthy. So we also have, you know, this Ukraine debacle going on that we talked about. While our Congress is out purchasing stocks, Russia and China are looking to develop closer ties in the face of illegal Western sanctions. Both nations are saying that Western sanctions are labeled them counterproductive. This is a Fox News report that China will seek to strengthen ties with Russia and the U.S. and NATO allies call on Beijing to insist apply greater pressure, pressure and apply sanctions on Moscow. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi on Wednesday met with his Russian counterpart. Both ministers condemned the illegal and counterproductive Western sanctions imposed in reaction to the invasion. Both China and Russia want to lock in their ties. They want to be better. Why? Well, China is Russia's banker. China has to work with Russia to take China-Russian ties to higher level in order to get paid back. Um, Russia's progress of military operations in Ukraine and the current progress on negotiations with Kyiv um, still hasn't made China back down from being friends with Russia. Now, a lot of people are putting heavy scrutiny on this Chinese-Russian relationship. Some experts noted that China would likely act as a backdoor for Russia in the event of even more sanctions under from the West. Both nations feel that America is using NATO as a puppet. China issued few contracts that looked locked in coal and wheat agreements with Russia. Prior to the invasion, the two countries finalized a deal that would see China purchase 100 million tons of Russian coal only the day before Putin ordered his troops into Ukraine. Russian news outlets TASS, which is owned by the government, reported on the deal, adding that Russian share of coal in the Asian Pacific market has increased by 8%. Now, China will never see Putin as an equal partner. It's not going to happen because they're egotistical too. China is kind of inciting him to uh, quarrel with the West because it's in their interest. If the West gets drawn into a war with Russia, China wins. Even Japan and many other countries join the sanctions 
he will crawl to China asking them to buy their mineral resources. And there will be people out there willing to buy Russia's resources. Uh, China and many other nations will violate what the West is saying because we all know our president's not going to do anything. So are these new talks, the Russian-Ukraine talks, a roadmap to truce or is it a minefield? When they met in Turkey just 19 days ago, the atmosphere was toxic. Neither side got far beyond restating existing positions. Today at a meeting in Istanbul between Russian and Ukrainian teams, the atmospheres were a great deal more positive and the outline, however faint, of an overall settlement to this horrendously destructive war began to come into focus. They included the future of Crimea and the Donbass region, Ukraine's neutral status protected by security guarantees, a pullback of Russian forces currently north of Kiev, and even the prospect of a meeting between um, Presidents Vladimir Putin and Zelensky. The Ukrainian side accepted kicking into the long grass the status of Crimea, which Russia annexed in 2014. An advisor to Zelensky said of the future of Crimea, whose annexation has never been accepted by either Ukraine or the West, it was agreed in bilateral format to take a pause for 15 years and conduct bilateral talks on the status of these territories. So talks are going on. Talks are going on basically without America's help. Why is America not the peace guru here? Well, we're the ones who caused this war to happen. There's a lot of different things going on in the world. It's becoming clearer that in return for forswearing the ambition of NATO, Ukraine expects a fast track to membership of the European Union, which it wants to be assisted by the guarantor countries. It's likely that the prospect of EU membership, which is hugely popular among Ukrainians, would help get an overall deal approved in the national referendum that the Ukrainian government has promised to approve neutrality with security guarantees. We have a world close to the brink of war. We have a nation here in America that has fallen to the wayside as a world leader. We have people publishing that we have weapons built to fight Russia. The defense world, the military-industrial complex really wants to go to war because they make so much money. Here's an article where they talk about the YF-23. In a collection of National Museum at the United States Air Force, Outside of Dayton, Ohio, is an aircraft that is testament that sometimes the best design can fall short. But everything we design, everything we do in America, we design to fight Russia or China. We're not looking to make peace anywhere in the world. America likes war because if we have war, we do not pay attention to what's going on 
in our own country, what's going on with our own politicians. We're in trouble, folks. America is in trouble because we've given too much control over to our enemies, our politicians. Yes, I call our politicians enemies because they are. They're enemies to freedom. They're enemies to the Constitution, and they're enemies to us in America. No other way you can look at it and say they are good for our nation. So it's been a month since Russia attacked, right, the invasion of Ukraine. The outcome might be unclear, but there are numerous scenarios that are possible. But Russia, thinking they can go in there, win, just totally subjugate Ukraine quickly, it's not achievable because of the tenacity of the Ukrainian people. The tenacity of the people helping, supporting Ukraine from all over the world. If they win, it's going to be very painful and very slow because the troops in Russia are very disappointed with this war too. And the Soviet people, the Russian people, have to be um, getting upset about all the sanctions and everything it's doing to their economy and their money and their value and their food. So it is also possible that Ukraine's current counteroffenses could repulse the Russian incursion into much of the country. It's possible that Putin could escalate the war both inside and outside of Ukraine in a desperate attempt to achieve a better outcome or a stronger position. A peace deal or a ceasefire um, like that in Korea in 1953 is likely, and it could take many different forms. But it looks difficult for even an exhausted Ukraine to accept any peace deal that might reward Russia's naked and indiscriminate aggression. Other scenarios are also possible. The war and its attendant suffering do not look close to ending, and the war aims of both sides are far off. Even so, one month into the war, clear outlines have emerged now of some larger geopolitical implication for the world and for our nation, the United States. Global security far outside Ukraine and Europe likely for the next decade or more. China is likely discouraged, not encouraged, in its own territorial ambitions. The many ways in which Russia has been surprised will weigh heavily on China. The ineffectiveness of an untested invading force. The ferocity of unanticipated resistance. Um, the astonishingly rapid and universal um, outcry of hatred towards Russia um, that yawned over Georgia, Crimea, and the Donbass area. An unprecedented level of sanctions, the outpouring of military and other aid to um, Ukraine, uh, the lack of any operational advantage from cyber warfare, and opposition to the war at home will give pause to Chinese thoughts about Taiwan. We hope. We could be witnessing the death throes of a superpower. Could this be the demise of Russia? Russia was already in decline in so many measurements from crippling demographic trends to waning economic vitality, some of which status as petro-powered masked. But now Russia's isolated and discredited. Its strategic goals in Ukraine, Europe, and NATO have all backfired. 
So even though America did not play a significant role in this attack, it's not going very well for Russia. And if we look at the truth, both Russia and the Ukraine have uber large corrupt governments. We have um, a world of evil coming out of both those nations. Uh, For an aggressor state like Russia, being in what they call the nuclear club is a must-have. It's not hard to see what Iran's major takeaway from NATO's help from a distance posture with Ukraine, Serbia, and Iraq, and Afghanistan were, not nuclear powers. And the United States and European powers rapidly attacked those countries directly. So to date, no country has comprehensively attacked or invaded the homeland of a declared nuclear power. Seems an odd time for the U.S. and Europe to be adopting any policy that might make it easier for Iran to get a bomb. Um, We need to go back to the deterrent school of thought. We need to get back to, and National Review is an amazing place to get information if you want to get away from true mainstream type things. Some practices that seemingly worked during the Cold War have been forgotten or abandoned and need to be relearned. It seemed there was no end to the Biden administration's willingness to anticipate what it would do or not do in Ukraine, both before and during the Russian invasion. Our clearest policy from our President Biden was... um, A minor incursion gaffe was another anti-deterrent moment. Um, He made a lot of wrong moves when Russia went into this nation. And we just sit back and watch. Congress sat back and watched. Um, We have recognized our own weaknesses as a nation. We, We recognize that not being energy self-sufficient has killed us. We still haven't recovered our groceries on the shelves since COVID, and we're still not the manufacturing nation we once were. Leave aside the spectacle of a former German chancellor on the boards of Russian energy companies, the rapid and sudden movement of much of Germany's energy supply away from its own nuclear plants to Russian oil and gas made much of this conflict possible by encouraging Putin to believe that he did indeed have Europe in a vice. Our own country's own bad decision, vis-a-vis domestic production and Russian imports to the U.S., also rise to the level of a national security scandal. Watch for every country to start forming new energy policy to its national security in a way we haven't seen since the 70s. But many in Washington, D.C., many throughout the world still want this economic globalization. Will we see its end because of this? In its purest form, economic globalization would mean, among many other things, that no one really cares where his supply chain operates, just that it operates in the most economically efficient way. This has been America's policy for far too long. The resurgence in the past years of protectionism and onshoring of key capabilities and the addressing of supply chains vulnerable to disruption from Trump, they're all gone. 
We need to rethink everything in our nation, from food, security, to technology, manufacturing, resilience, will create more secure regional and civilizational economic blocks. Is it time to dust off what people thought in the past? There was a book in 1996. Political theorist Samuel Huntington of Harvard published The Clash of Civilization as a counter to the prevailing wisdom of the end of history. Our delicate sensibilities in the West recoil from notions that civilizations offer histories and a present that represent greatly differing and clashing values. Ways of understanding the world, patterns of beliefs, systems of behavior. Perhaps a more useful geostrategic way to think about it is um, if you look at Professor Stefan Koken's description of a civilization as being composed of a package of institutions, the free institutions that almost arose exclusively out of Western civilization are shrinking minority on the globe, with Freedom House noting that less than 20% of the world's population lives in political freedom. China, Russia, Islamists, and other unapologetical countries of corruption offer no apologies. Their whole goal is to enslave the world. The West is in trouble because we refuse to act while it's time to act. The opportunity is still there for the Biden administration to not just help end the war, on the best terms possible, but also to reframe U.S. leadership around confronting some of these trends and developments spurred on or accelerated by the war on Ukraine. But we're underled as a nation, under-equipped for many of these issues. Visions and energy from the administration, the restoration of America's global markets, the restoration of America's self-sufficiency should all be on the table right now in Congress. We should have people talking about how to make us a stronger nation and not a weaker nation. Yet, folks, we're not doing it, and I doubt we ever will. American crisis. Believe it, don't believe it. I just state what I see. You have to decide for yourself what's going on with our nation. You have to decide for ourselves what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe. You have to decide for yourself if you're going to act differently in 2022. The America Out Loud Network brings a lot of unique voices, voices that try to stand up for liberty, try to stand up for freedom, try to do many things that we feel are needed in our country today. Unfortunately, most of the people in this country are not paying attention to the world around them, not caring what government does, not caring what our politicians do. Um, we are in trouble because of our lack of involvement. We're in trouble because of our lack of holding government accountable. We are in trouble, folks, because we just stopped paying attention. Our constitutional republic is in dire need of new blood in Washington, D.C. If you don't enjoy this show, there are plenty of other hosts on the America Out Loud network that you can go listen to, embrace, their ideas, their thoughts, and share. If you like this share, you can help me. 
You can help Brian by sharing this on your social media, by talking about this show, by help spreading the word that there are people out there trying to wake up Americans, trying to wake up the world to what's going on. Folks, the people in these nations, the, the families, the mothers, the children in the Ukraine are suffering because of a corrupt government. The people in Russia are suffering because of a corrupt government. The people in America are suffering because of a corrupt government. But we allow it to be corrupt. We could be the world leaders on what freedom should look like, for what America should be. Yet we care more about just ignoring the world around us because, you know, it's easier to ignore the world around us and live in um, your own little complaining world where you hate everything that's going on but you're not getting involved and it is to get involved and try and change things. Folks, God bless. Get involved. Until next time on the Disciples of Liberty. Look down deep into my heart.